Hi, I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Welcome to my show, America Can We Talk? Today, we're going to talk about racial hypocrite Senator Sheldon Whitehouse unmasked, CRT and race in America, Biden's dangerous Ministry of Truth unleashed, and celebrate America. And of course, I'll tell you why these stories matter to you. Stay tuned. Debbie Georgiatis, host of America Can We Talk, is an author, attorney, and political analyst whose mission is to inspire the American political conversation about preserving liberty in the best country on earth. Hello again and welcome to America Can We Talk and to today's First Five. I'm Debbie Georgiatis. Many of you probably saw a story that was out over the weekend involved a reporter, a tenacious reporter, who caught up with Democrat Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, a long-term Democrat serving the U.S. Senate, and someone who has is in the dictionary, in the encyclopedia, at next to the definition of smug, arrogant, condescension, self-righteous. This man has an odious, odious record of disdain and contempt in addressing witnesses before the Senate Judiciary Committee and asking questions of harsh, horrible statements made about America, accusing America of systemic racism. I'm gonna ask Matt the Wonderful to play this clip of Senator Sheldon Whitehouse and then we'll talk about it. A little close. Okay, back in 2017, you had expressed concerns about the membership of the all-white Bailey's Beach Club, said that you hoped it would become more diverse. Now your family's been members, your wife is one of the largest shareholders. Has there been any traction in that? Are there any minority members of the club now? I think the people who are running the place are still working on that, and I'm sorry it hasn't happened yet. Um, do you have concerns in 2021? I mean, obviously it's been four years. You had remarks on the floor following the deaths of Breonna Taylor and George Floyd saying, you know, hoping to root out systemic racism in the country. Um, your thoughts on an elite, all-white, wealthy club, again, in this day and age, um, you know, should these clubs continue to exist? It's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Uh, I think we just need to work our way through the issues. Thank you. The car's here. You have to get okay. to your... Okay. I want to uh, spend a couple minutes talking about that clip. Number one, Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, as I said, is among the most smug, condescending, brutal critics of America in his statements on the floor of the Senate, in his public statements, press conferences referring to America as systemically racism, attacking the police in our country. And he is, as you heard him say, a longtime member of a whites-only beach club in his home state of Rhode Island. As he said, his defense was, well, it's a long tradition in Rhode Island, and there are many of them. Long tradition, many of them. He's, this issue was raised with him actually years ago. And, you know, he said, yeah, it's not a good thing. We're working on that. His wife, as you heard from the, one of the questions, is a, I don't know if she's a majority owner, but she has a significant ownership share in this Bailey's Beach Club, member for years, and no blacks allowed. Utterly racist. In fact, it's kind of the dictionary picture of systemic racism. But I want to make a couple other points about this. Number one, it is a really good illustration of the simple fact that the American left uses race, uses the issue of race, the accusation of race and systemic racism to gain political power. They don't mean it. 
they don't actually care about black America. They don't actually care if racism exists. They use the issue of race, he uses it, on the Senate floor repeatedly in very, very harsh terms with a smug, self-righteous, superior condescension toward the rest of America, toward policing in America, when he himself, and obviously knowingly, it's not like it, he just suddenly found out yesterday, knowingly maintains membership and uses the Bailey Beach Club, the exclusive all-white beach club in Rhode Island. Please understand, this is just tip of the iceberg or just one example. The left uses race to gain political power. When he makes speeches on the floor of the Senate and makes just these harsh comments attacking America, he's doing it to score political points with the left-wing media, to score political points with voters, to pretend the typical anti-American leftists pretend that I really care about people that he uses race for that purpose. Second point, in this country, as we've had this laser focus on race relations, we have individuals who have lost out on jobs, who've had to drop out of campaigns, who have been publicly excoriated for some statement they made in a high school editorial or a college editorial, or one tweet written 10 years ago one single statement that can be exaggerated and focused on by the media. The media in this country recognized back when Sheldon Whitehouse, as he served in the Senate, man, this guy is kind of an elitist and he belongs to an all white, no blacks allowed, Bailey's Beach Club in Rhode Island, and the media never says a word about it. And I'm making my second point is recognize the media to say they're biased is barely enough, it is too light, it's too kind an assessment. The media uses its power to attack people they don't like, attack political positions they don't like, attack people or political parties they want to destroy. And if somebody has been as ugly as this behavior is, belonging to a, an all-white beach club for years, and your wife is part owner, and just continuing to serve in the Senate, and the media doesn't go after it. The drumbeat, as you can imagine, the drumbeat in this country, if it were a white Republican senator. In fact, actually, did you ever, I, we talked about this back when uh, President Trump was running, or else maybe after he was first elected. When President Trump bought Mar-a-Lago, it had been a private club. You know, he, it's now his residence, you know, he lives there. But it had a history of racism and had that same history of not permitting blacks to join the Mar-a-Lago Club. He bought it and he changed it. He himself, President Trump, the evil racist the left tries to always claim is the, is the real white supremacist, he didn't want that. He didn't allow it. When he bought Mar-a-Lago, he took action and got the, a change made. I don't have the facts in front of me exactly, but I know that story is true. He did that as soon as he bought Mar-a-Lago. Now, Sheldon Whitehouse, you would think a member of this club, if he wanted to say, you know what, my fellow members, we've been around for however many years, decades, perhaps even over a century, and we have to stop this hideous racist policy. We have to become open to everyone. Welcome people who want to join our club regardless of skin color. He's obviously never made that effort. And no one in the media has ever pummeled him. Now he's getting a lot of attention, a lot of attention about this. 
He's getting a lot of attention, and maybe he's going to have to respond in some way. I cannot imagine he's going to drop out of that club, and I can't imagine they're going to let some silly news story change their behavior. So I don't know how it's going to come out, but we're going to keep on following this. But just think about the idea. The media has never pursued this story and never hassled him. It's not like every time his, new, his uh, picture or mug is in the paper or every time he's pontificating away from the floor of the Senate that the headline, the cry am beneath it says, actually, as a matter of fact, racist Senator, Senator Whitehouse, who belongs to an all-white club and won't quit, that never happens. The media selectively decides who can be guilty, who can be labeled as racist, and if you're a white liberal, a smug, condescending, just just a, a ugly, vicious behavior on the floor on, as a senator, that's okay with them. It's okay because after all, he's in the club. He's in a club that knows to attack police. And one more thing about this: this is a guy who's wealthy. I don't think it's free to belong to the Bailey Beach Club. It's not only exclusive, you know, by skin color because they only let white people in, but it's expensive. So he sits there in a high end, paying money to belong to this beach club, and then he has the audacity to attack police officers in our country and, and attack them and refer to them as systemically racist. These are the actual hardworking people who actually every day have to go out in the streets of America in the really bad areas and dangerous areas and high crime areas and deal with the crime and behavior in those communities. And Mr. Arrogant, living in wealth, living a member of the beach club, is so condescending, so full of himself, that he is perfectly comfortable staring the camera in the face and saying and denouncing systemic racism when he is the dictionary definition thereof. And it isn't just White House, Senator Whitehouse. I'm not saying every anti-American leftist who belongs to the Democrat Party, and they are all anti-American leftists, I'm not saying they're all racist, but the attitude that he, you just saw from him, hey, you know, a lot, a lot of those clubs up here, hey man, you know, we're, we're trying to work on it. I mean, that, this conversation is getting him in more hot water, I think, than he's ever been in his entire political career. But it's really only coming to light because one tenacious reporter decided to track him down and obviously had engaged in a friendly enough conversation that he was, okay, sure, y'all yeah, take a few questions, Mr. Cool, and, and got really caught. But I really urge you to think, because we're in this massive conversation in America about critical race theory, about the allegations and why the false allegation that America is systemically racist, the false allegation that we have massive white privilege and a systemically racist society, those false allegations are front and center in the political conversation in America every day. Keep in mind, when you hear leftists making these kinds of accusations, keep in mind, Senator Sheldon, hypocrite, White House. He's happy to belong to a racist club because it's okay for him because the rules and the standards he is trying to say everyone must follow, he doesn't follow at all. Rules for us, but not for him. That is the epitome of left-wing arrogance. That, my very fine friends, is today's first five. So I, I told you uh, last week, we, I had uh, hosted a conference in Dallas. Uh, 
to say that it was a home run does not even begin. It was just a great conference. It was about critical race theory. And I want to share a couple of things. Um, I have several more clips I want to play, but I want to share a couple of things about the conference. Number one, uh, it was all focused on critical race theory. We had a fabulous turnout. It was just a great event, very thoughtful, very substantive. Uh, we had four speakers, I mean, who you know, sp each spoke at length, and then they had a panel, we had Q&A, all that. And um, I wanted to, it's, it's, I can't summarize all of them, I want to just tell you a couple of highlights I, I found to be really interesting. Um, we had one speaker, uh, we had two speakers from Minnesota, the state of Minnesota, who also both happened to be black Republicans. One, uh, the gentleman, Kendall Qualls, uh, gave just really great remarks, of course, and among the things he was talking about was how he's often defend, he's, he will say straight out and, and said over and over, there is no systemic racism in America. There's no institutional racism in America. This is a lie by the left. It has more punch and more power coming from an extremely well-spoken black American conservative. He said that, you know, hands down, no, no question, there, this, this is a lie. There's not systemic racism or institutional racism in this country. This is just a ploy by the American left. He had many other great comments. The other uh, high point on his I wanted to mention was uh, he was talking about the idea that he spends so much time responding to accusations by uh, the, Amer the anti-American left about America, you know, trying to say, no, we're not systemically racist. No, there's no institutional racism. No, this is not true. This is not true. He said, and it's something that resonated so much with me, is we need to be talking about America the good. We cannot always be on the conservative side, on the patriotic side, the America loving side. We can't always be saying, I deny that. That's not true. That's not true. We have to be saying what is true. We're going to talk about that late in the show today. I'm going to try more and more to focus as a subject in this show, uh, just celebrating the goodness and the uniqueness of America. I say it and I mean it, but I want to give examples more. But he was talking about that idea. This is a country, you know, land of opportunity. Uh, you know, his childhood, he went through very briefly, involved his parents divorced. He's very young, didn't have any money. He lived on uh, welfare in Harlem for a while. And then, uh, then he went to live with his dad. Um, I forgot how old he was, but during his childhood was split between Harlem and then living with his dad, who was also very poor, uh, living in a trailer park in, I forget what state, someplace in the Midwest point was, this is a guy who's risen to the top levels of power in massive Fortune 100 companies because he worked hard, because he stayed in school, because he pursued his dreams, because he served in the military, he came to even love America more, because he stayed settled in a marriage and stayed with his wife and, and raised their kids together. This is a rock solid guy and what he was saying was, everybody has the opportunity to do what I did. From his his background, his life story, you know, don't tell me about America being impossibly um, uh, systemically racist. Just doesn't buy it. Does, doesn't buy it at all. Uh, that was a really great point. And the other uh, issue, I'm gonna, I'll probably share over the next several days different uh, remarks people made. But the other thing that came up in the Q&A I wanted to share with you was there were several people uh, who made the comment that critical race theory it's just a, you know, it's, it's massively ugly. It's just a massive accusation, just one big giant fat accusation against America um, and an insistence that every single issue, subject matter, everything you ever think about from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to sleep at night must be seen through the lens of race, every issue, every, everything. 
That's what critical race theory says. And it's premised on the idea that America is a deeply racist country. All the speakers said, you know, hogwash to that. But they also were talking about, and I want to just uh, use several of them use the expression that critical race theory is a tool of the Marxists. And at the end, we had, you know, people written, wrote questions on index cards. I was reading questions. So I'm stacking them up, you know, putting similar questions together. And there were numerous questions about how is it critical race theory is tied to Marxism? What, why do those two get tied together? And there are probably many, many answers. I want to offer one, and then I'm going to get into some of the other uh, things going on about race in America. But one answer is this. The Marxist, back when Karl Marx in his insanity, if you ever read about his life, the guy was a, a perverse, to say the least, and not even mentally stable guy. To think he launched a movement that still gets followers today is mind-blowing. But anyway, in Marxism, the whole idea was he was trying to instigate division in society by pitting people against each other based on economic status. So we had proletariat and bourgeoisie, he's going to make them hate each other and blame people because, you know, the reason you don't have as much is because this other person has too much, they have more, just to, just to divide society into angry resentment against each other. And the proletariat, the whole notion was that this battle he'd created would cause just division and outrage and, and just a destruction of society that you would need and you'd call for, the people be calling for, the creation of a new government, uh, a Marxist government that would engage in the forced redistribution of wealth. You institute economic instability and hatred for each other among the people and that gives rise to your ability as the savior of the people to be the Marxist government say, okay, yeah, you know, you're right, it's terrible, we're going to fix it all. And so they end up owning the means of production, owning, uh, owning everything. I mean, you don't own anything in true Marxism. You don't own anything. The government owns everything. You kind of get to live in this house and drive this car and have this job, but really the government owns it all. That was the idea of, in, in economic terms. And in the terms of critical race theory, Marxists in this country is the Frankfurt School, other schools that talk about these ideas, they couldn't get people in America to agree that the economic divisions in our country uh, between the poor and the more successful actually justified a revolution. And that's what Marx wanted, to plant a revolution. And so in our country, because people said, hey, you know, freedom is pretty great and, and capitalism and free market is pretty great. We don't, we don't need this overthrow the country based on economic disparity. So Marxists in this country and around the world turn to, okay, we'll find another way to divide society. Only this time it'll be along the lines of race. And then we'll pit people against each other and we'll tell people of a certain skin color that you're a victim and other people are the oppressors. And the only way is to, is to create a huge battle, which they are doing in, with critical race, you have a battle between people of color and people who are white. And then the revolution will come based on race and there will be again the idea of overthrowing the government to have the more um, to have a government who will bring justice just like the, the economic Marxism bring justice only racial justice and it'll be in, the, in terms of policies created by a government rooted in the idea that regular old freedom and uh, freedom of the people and that living life and freedom in America isn't good enough. You need to have the government control society. So reparations is one very physical, very graphic example or very um, linear kind of example to solve this uh, problem with racism. Yeah, you got to have reparations. Now starting, I read the other day, 10 major cities are talking about actual reparations. 
the mayors are talking about reparations by white citizens or black citizens. So this is not going over well, as you might imagine, um, with the taxpayers thinking you're going to, you know, we work hard and pay taxes and you're just going to give it to somebody else. But the whole reparation is one example, but the idea of dividing us by race and saying, okay, because we've all agreed that America is a deeply racist country, systemic racism, institutional racism, we better give government control of everything, just everything. And that's where it's going to head, going to head there with not just reparations, but based on environmental issues and in the Green New Deal, we're going to, have, we're going to just succumb to, surrender to government control of society, where you can live, what kind of house you can have, what kind of car you can have. It's going to invade the education system. It's, and, and the problem with critical race here among many is there's no outcome where you measure and say, okay, now we're done dealing with that. Now we can go back to regular life. There's no such thing in critical race theory. It's permanent division along the lines of race. I'll probably talk more about explaining why critical race theory is Marxist, but I want to posit that. I'll tell you more about the conference later. I want to move on and show you there were some great clips that came out. I mean, there are more and more citizens speaking up just in regular context at school boards and city council meetings and county council meetings. Um, and I want to play the one. Uh, this is a um, this is the uh, Matt, the last one. This uh, black parent who spoke up at a um, like I think it was a school board meeting. But anyway, great, great video of this one black parent having a uh, really speaking up about critical race theory. If you can play that. When you talk about critical race theory, which is pretty much going to be teaching kids how to hate each other, how to dislike each other, that's pretty much what it's going to, that's much, it's much what it's going to all come down to. You're going to deliberately teach kids, this white kid right here got it better than you because he white? You're going to personally tell a white kid, oh, the black people are all down and suppressed. How do I have two medical degrees if I'm sitting here oppressed? How do I get, first of all, wait, stand up, you've only got five minutes now, five minutes. Two medical degrees, no mom, no dad in the house, worked my way through college, sat there and hustled my butt off to get through college. You gonna tell me somebody that looked like all y'all white folks kept me from doing that? Are you serious? Not one white person ever came to me and say, well, son, you're never gonna be able to get nowhere because you know the black people. But guess what? What's sickening about this whole thing is what y'all doing right now is already something I do in my community right now to speak out against stuff because black folks are getting told by other black folks, oh, you know you ain't gonna be able to do nothing out there in the world because them white folks ain't gonna let you get no, oh, you know you're not gonna be able to do it here because you know, white, the, the white man, the white man gonna keep you down. Well, how did I get where I am right now if some white man kept me down? How am I now directing over folks that look just like you guys in this room right now? How? What, what, what kept me down? What oppressed me? I work for myself from off the streets to where I am right now. You gonna sit here and tell me this lie of critical race theory? Of this, this, this is the reason why black folks can't get ahead because of white folks? Are you kidding me? This is what we come to now. I can't believe we even talking about this right now. The last thing we're gonna say right here is something that's crazy. Martin Luther King said he wanted his kids to grow up in a world where they are judged by the contents of their, what? Character. Their character, not their skin. If they let this stuff go on right now, it is absolutely doing the complete reverse of what he's doing. So when February come, don't talk about Martin Luther King. When February come, don't talk about black history. Mother dog will sit there and just pee, must pee on his grave with this nonsense. That's exactly what's about to happen. Lastly, we are talking about our kids. We are talking about our children. What's so sickening about me, I love the Discovery Channel. You will see that on the Discovery Channel, animals will put their lives on the line to protect their children from yeah. danger. Yeah. Nobody want to get to the heart of the matter, get to the meat of the matter, get to the moral of the story. It all comes down to it. The person that's going to be suffering from this, the one that's going to be hurt from this, is the kids. Yeah. Ten years from now, if this stuff goes on, whose fault is it going to be? 
Whose fault is it going to be? Who are we going to look back on the blame for this? Because this is the stuff we're talking about right now. This stuff is going on right now. I do this stuff on a daily basis. I'm in the hood. I'm in the communities. I'm out there with folks in their face. I've been doing this stuff since I was 18 years old, talking to black folks. And you know what? None of them are buying this nonsense. None of them are. But if you want to implement this into the school system, I guarantee you to the day that I die, I'm going to be the very person right there debunking stuff, tearing stuff down, letting them know they can do exactly what I did and get exactly where I am by putting themselves to work and getting there. And ain't not one white person ever going to keep any of them from getting there. So the CRT stuff, BS. Okay, I want to bottle him. <laughs> I'm going to drop my objection to cloning. Clone him. I mean, it was brilliant. So many, so many brilliant points. And something he said reminded me of something else was said at my conference, again, by this Kendall Qualls. He was talking about the whole critical race theory movement, the CRT movement. There's no black leaders. It isn't a modern-day Martin Luther King pushing this. It is white liberals. White liberals, and his view, being used white liberals using black Americans to push what they want, which is control over society. But that guy's spirit, so I don't even want to repeat everything he said because it was so stellar. I might play that several times over the next few weeks. Brilliant, brilliant remarks by a dad who, as he said, lives in the hood. And he's saying black people are not buying into this critical race theory stuff. This is an intellectual, uh, you know, it's a, we, we can talk, we have in the past, well, again, about the ideological history, the intellectual history of critical race theory. But that guy, he's speaking truth. And, and frankly, everyone knows it. The left knows it too. So love that guy. And there are more people like him. There are clips we can play. We have many, many more. I can't play them all today. Many more clips of parents speaking up and saying, you know, not in my school, not at our school, not on my watch, not doing this. And he's recognizing very wisely and correctly who are we going to point fingers to at 10 years from now when the entire society has dissolved practically into a race war because you have leftist liberals fomenting racial hatred through a farce, a false theory? Who are we going to point to? And being obviously the answer, it's our job right now to shut this down in every way possible. Now, having watched that and the actual real from the spirit heart to heart, I want to contrast that with something I'm going to play for you. And I almost hate to do this. But I'm going to. So, you remember when we talked many times about the 1619 Project, started the New York Times, and they're basically trying to say it was the 1619 We Hate America and You Should Too Project. It was all about trying to say America is a deeply racist, horrible country filled with racists, and it's barely tolerable to even live here. And not just the people are racist, but the whole point of the 1619 Project is the very foundational ideas of America are racist. You know, like freedom, like the Declaration of Rights from God, you know, all created equal, and we all have rights from our Creator simply because we were born, and because we have rights to life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, all those beautiful ideas. Yeah, that's what 1619 Project is attacking and saying is racist. And so, again, understand, this is a Marxist mentality that's saying you have to throw out the people's belief and freedom, the people's belief in the rights from God because they were born. It's the goal of this 1619 project, it's the goal of Antifa, it's a goal of critical race theory. To throw out the idea of America, to pave the way for the Marxist totalitarian type government the left wants to bring. So there was a video that was a part of a Washington Post article. It got a lot of attention because it's a video in which uh, one of the people involved in creating the 1619 Project and others were explaining essentially why white Americans, 
white Americans must, in, their, in this new normal world that these leftist, anti-American, and, and frankly, the other critical race theory itself is racist. It's the people who are racist are the ones pushing it. But what this Washington Post article included was a link to a video, and it's, a, it's an explanation of why white Americans simply must engage in self-examination. They must form and they must segregate themselves into groups. White Americans must segregate themselves into white groups and discuss how white people have harmed people of color. And they must take part in these group discussions for years and go on to, in, in fact, for, white people must end up feeling a period of deep shame about their skin color based on what people did in the past, their ancestors did. And the reason I want to play this for you, it's nauseating. It is outrageous. But the reason I want to play it for you is, if you listen to my show and actual rationality and actual facts, you could actually lose sight of the fact that there are people who hear this kind of utter intellectual garbage, but they don't know any different. They don't, they don't listen to other sources. They actually think they know something. They actually think they're right. And these people who listen to this kind of garbage emerge from their schools, from their places of work, thinking that this is the truth of America, the only truth of America, and therefore they become submissive to whatever the critical race theory lunatics tell them they have to do. So I want to have Matt the Wonderful. I, I may interrupt in the middle. It's over five minutes long, but I really want you to get a flavor of it because you have to understand this is what people leftists who don't pay attention enough to news to understand what's really happening. They hear this, they actually think they've learned something, they're learning truth. So Matt, the wonderful play this, please. Racism, racialization, white body supremacy is not episodic, it's structural. Remember that there were um, thousands of George Floyd before the one that you saw. Your bodily response to this, this horror, right? is not the same thing as you dealing with the structural aspects of this. George Floyd's death became a deeply personal and racial tragedy for many Americans. For the first time, white people were becoming aware of their whiteness and the systemic ways that white supremacy affects all of us. White people in particular get aroused, get upset, say this is unjust, this isn't right, this shouldn't happen. There's like an awakening that happens. And so part of their racial identity development is seeing that awakening. What they do with it is really the next piece of it. In this episode, we're tackling white racial identity and why understanding your whiteness is integral to becoming self-aware as a white person. I'm Nicole Ellis, and this is The New Normal. I am originally from a smaller town in Oklahoma. Whiteness was the default and whiteness was the comfort. Part of the structure of racism and the way that it's maintained is to keep us from recognizing that racism is a part of our daily lives. And so it's a longer term process of looking at your understanding of yourself in the world, both historically, but also contextually, the family you live in, the community you live in, and what role whiteness plays in that. The more you kind of dive into that, the more I'm really realizing how deeply rooted racism is into like my everyday thought process. No matter how much you work at that, there's still even almost more work to be done. 
a living embodied anti-racist culture does not exist among white people. White people got to start getting together specifically around race. White accountability groups are really helpful in terms of having a place to process, having a group of people whose responsibility it is to call me on things or to challenge me. We're unpacking wrong things that we've been taught in history class. I realized that I needed to go back and unpack and reorganize everything that I had learned because it was completely through a white lens. Most of us in doing this work have experienced this where there's a period of deep shame for being white and for acknowledging the harm that our ancestors have caused. And that's a very legitimate piece of this work. And we can't ask people of color to hold our hands through the shame piece. That needs to happen with other white people. When you do that for one, two, three, four, five years, right? You end up with actually a community that is aligned with each other. In theory, that sounds like a good idea, but I guess I'm curious to hear, like, what are some of the pitfalls or risks that you run if that's the only step you take? The biggest answer is white people don't really understand racism. <laughs> and so if I'm relying on other white people to teach me about racism, that can only go so far. I only best understand racism by talking to people who are directly impacted by okay, racism you know what? I, from I, different I gotta perspectives. Jump in, I think. So I gotta, I'm going to jump in. It goes on <laughs> on and on. I, I mean, I think I, you probably saw about half of that. I actually listened to the whole thing, but I really want to why I want to play that for you is to make a couple points about what happens. What the left is doing, the radical anti-American, pro-racism, pro-siloing America permanently into races, the whole movement is designed to make people think that they are somehow intellectually inferior or intellectually ignorant unless they follow whatever the anti-racist movement tells them they have to do. And they use terms, even like systemic racism and institutional racism. They use terms like that because it causes the average person to think, well, you know, may maybe I don't understand. Well, what does I have to learn again? So they actually are encouraging that, that, that I mean, it's hair pulling out level scream. But what they're actually encouraging is white people sit around and discuss how guilty they should feel for their white identity. They should be sh ashamed. And by the way, to be really clear and very obvious, no person on the planet Earth since time began ever chose their own skin color. It's just, as I say, the package you came wrapped in. No one chose their skin color. No one should be proud of their skin color. No one should be ashamed of their skin color. It just is. Yes, there is American history to learn. There's world history to learn. There's American history to learn. You can say, oh yeah, you know, we had slavery. We got rid of it. We, we denounced it. We had segregation. You can learn those things. And they're great things to learn, important things to learn. But what they're trying to do with this, I, I mean, I can't even think of harsh enough terms that you're allowed to say on air, but I mean, it's psychobabble lunacy that what we're gonna do for the rest of time in America is sit around in racial groups and discuss how guilty we feel over something we didn't choose, our own skin color, and over something that we didn't do, which relates to the behavior of people before we were born, people we never knew. And people we have, you know, in, in America, you have obviously have people who are white-skinned and people who are black, who came to America, whose families came to America long after slavery was over. 
but you're going to obsess about color and you have to know maybe all these people in this in this little video are just truly entranced with and just so excited about sitting around and you know whipping themselves and polishing themselves over their skin color maybe they really are but at its at, at the uh, the leadership the height the fo the people fomenting this stuff it is a very intentional destruction of american unity it's a destruction of the idea of america a destruction of the idea of all of us with every race, ethnicity, national origin, skin color, coming together around the ideas of America. It's a way of destroying America itself because America was created on the ideas we talk about in the show all the time. What these race theorists are saying is, forget about all those ideas. All we're gonna obsess about day in and day out is skin color. And you see in this little video we were watching, um, there were numerous white people who got involved talking about, yes, I, I, I love feeling guilty. I just feel terrible. I mean, you know, I don't want there to be racism and I will, I am very happy to speak up and I have spoken up about racism and I would. Racism is an evil, ugly thing. It's also in this country, systemic racism is not true. And I have to, I have to tell you people, I really wish everyone listening to my show could have come to the conference last week because you would feel inspired and renewed in recognizing there are literally, I don't know if it's hundreds of thousands, but at least tens of thousands of conservative black Americans who are trying to say to America, don't listen to these people. Kendall Qual is pointing out, it's white liberal intellectuals creating this garbage theory of critical race theory and trying to march it out on the campuses and in the, in the culture of America. And as you, that young man, the, the uh, gentleman who was speaking at the, um, I think it was a school board meeting where he said, you know, if, if this is such a white supremacist culture, well, how did I get here with two degrees? Why do I have two medical degrees? That's real America. That's truth. And it takes extreme bravery in our country to speak up these days because this is a, the leftists who want to bring about the destruction of America the free and America the great. They think they've found their key. They think they've found their way. They're going to divide us permanently along the lines of race. And they do it, by the way, in all sorts of avenues. I mean, we're talking about critical race theory in schools. We talked recently about all sorts of organizations where uh, the military being a great one. We had a gentleman from the military on the show who was saying uh, he's now in the reserves. He went back for his monthly reserve weekend, I guess it's like a three-day weekend, you go and you, you know, usually do things like uh, conditioning and strat military strategy and practice uh, shooting, you know, target shooting, you're, you're improving your skills. And they spent a whole weekend in social justice warrior garbage. And another article I read recently was talking about the American Medical Association. You know, they have their annual meeting. They go back and they talk about whatever things they're supposed to be talking about. You would think, for example, they want to talk about how is it going your practice to use this kind of particular treatment or medication? Are you finding it efficacious? Are you thinking there's a better way to handle it? What's your experience been? You would be talking about treating patients. Oh no, though, AMA meeting recently, someone wrote it up in the Wall Street Journal, someone who was there saying, we talked about systemic racism and how to attack systemic racism in the healthcare industry. I, I mean, people, we are getting played. We are getting duped. We cannot go along with this. We can't indulge it. We can't say, okay, tell us all about it. And then we'll try to explain how we see things. It has to be just, just rejected and seen for what it is an attack on America. We're gonna be talking about this more and more and more and more on this show, but you have to understand this is a, you are being taken, you are being used.
like Sheldon Whitehouse, the senator, uses race to maintain political power and stature with the media when he's perfectly happy to belong to a racist yacht club in, in Rhode Island, beach club in Rhode Island. He doesn't really care about race. He sees talking about race as a vehicle to maintain political power. Leftists, and, and I, I just can't urge you, parents have to be speaking up in every school district. Every, every, and even if you have a school district, you say, okay, fine, 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 we'll drop critical race theory. You have to understand, the left has been working at this, this idea for decades. Conservatives are just waking up and go, oh my gosh, what the heck are they doing in our schools? Because critical race theory has woven its way into the digital learning in our schools. You think your kids online learning, oh great, little Timmy's at the computer learning multiplication tables. No, every topic you can think of, the leftists have worked to get critical race theory right in the middle of it. It is just a, it's an insidious attack on the very idea and goodness of America. And ultimately, as that one guy said, the dad talking at that school board about how did I get two medical degrees if this is what America really is, at the end of the day, it is destructive of our culture. We can't get together again. We can't find unity. And you really are truly, deeply harming children and their ability to function in society their ability to recognize there are other people of different skin colors and that we all can work together and we all are on the same page, we all have the same rights. That ability to find unity is eviscerated, eviscerated if you buy into critical race theory. Okay, I gotta hit another topic today. I, honestly, this, this is, I find this so enraging because I know America is a much better country than the left tries to say it is. I hit my next topic. So Team Biden, President Biden, the Ministry of Truth, I call this Dangerous Ministry of Truth Unleashed. Um, you know, if you uh, ever read George Orwell's 1984, he had as one of the, which is so amazing, we're so far past that, we're, we're way worse often than what he depicted in 1984. One thing he had was the government had a Ministry of Truth. And the Ministry of Truth in George Orwell's 1984 was simply in charge of telling the people what truth is. They get to define truth and they can change the next day. Oh, yesterday we said this, and they, in, in the book, they don't even acknowledge they're changing the truth. They just say, okay, today truth is this. And so what Biden's doing, I want to tell you about this because it's kind of mind-blowing. By the way, the articles I'm talking about, you can read them on our website, americacanwetalk.org, americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage, under shows, drop-down list of links, you can read these articles. Don't take my word for it, read it yourself. So Biden... Uh, has announced that he's going to turn the national security agencies, the people who should protect us, us from actual danger, the national security agencies are going to go work against online, his word, misinformation. I'm telling you, Ministry of Truth right in front of us. So I'm going to give you a few little clips out of this. Um, by the way, what I have online on our website, you can read, um, it is uh, these articles and also a um, link to the uh, White House had a press call. They have calls with someone from the White House and people, members of the press can get on and the White House goes blah, 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 tells what they can tell, the press can ask questions. Read that, mind-blowing. Let me just give you a quick summary. So Biden is, is basically saying in a conversation with reporters um, that to fight domestic terrorism, they want the people to understand that they should report radicalized friends and family. 
Now, going back to where we had a huge issue, we still have a huge issue in America, it's just kind of under the surface right now, of Islamic terrorism, of jihad in America. We have that in, in America, but it's kind of quiet right now. But when, it, when there were a lot of attacks going on in America, we had the government saying, you know what? We would be helped if you let us know if someone, your neighbor is talking in, in the Islamic community or in your mosque is talking about uh, engaging in some kind of jihadist attack. We'd like to know. And so there was the encouragement of that. So the team Biden makes this point would they want to work to improve public awareness, public awareness of federal resources to address concerning or threatening behavior before violence occurs. And they said, just like if you, the thing, if you see something, say something campaign that was designed to help stop radical Islamic terror, we need to be thinking that way also about domestic terror. And let me explain to you why this is so insidious. The entire report they issue, the big statement they put out, where they're talking about the danger we face from domestic terror. You might think, for example, that it would include the, uh, the uh, black nationalist who in Dallas killed five police officers in 2016. No, 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 not, not that kind of stuff. You might think it would include Antifa and Black Lives Matter that burned down cities all over our country, smashed windows, killed people, destroyed cars, destroyed businesses. No, no, we're not talking about that. They're talking about this farcical, non-existent problem of radical white supremacy. They're trying to claim, and I'm telling you people, it is a lie. But it is a lie that, and am I saying there are no white supremacists? No, of course there are. And they're about as rare as, I mean, you know, people who believe that Martians killed John F. Kennedy. The white supremacist movement is not what the left is trying to say it is. It is bad, and it should be, and, and we can't tolerate it, and it should be uh, scorned, demeaned. It, it should be treated as unacceptable in America. But it's not the massive problem the left says it is. And under what Biden is trying to do here, he is trying to essentially use the power of the national security agencies to shut down people, what he finally gets to is, people who oppose his political policies, people who oppose him and the left's agenda. So let me go on. And so they're talking about um, Biden, as he began his presidency, uh, had this in the inauguration speech. I talked about a rise in political extremism, white supremacy, domestic terrorism. And he later said on June 1st, Biden said, the threat from white supremacy is the most lethal threat to the homeland today, which is a lie. And I'm telling people, he knows it's a lie. Kamala Harris knows it's a lie. They all know that's not true. What they're trying to do is foment the same thing critical race theory advocates are trying to do, foment racial division and tension for the purpose of gaining an extreme and expanding political power. This is why Biden is doing this. But on with Biden, he talks about his administration is going to work with large technology companies on increased information sharing to combat, to combat radicalization. So now you have big tech and get along and help the uh, Biden administration shut down anyone who disagrees with them. And they also talk about this concept, that this upcoming thing, Department of Homeland Security, Department of Homeland Security is going to deploy digital literacy, digital literacy and digital fitness programs to help combat malicious content online that bad actors deliberately try to disseminate. And so I, I just want you to stop and think about this. When Biden came along, very shortly after people started to question the 2020 election outcome, 
out came proposed regulations from the Department of Homeland Security that domestic terrorism includes people who essentially will not agree that the 2020 election was valid. So you're a domestic terrorist if you have doubts about the 2020 election outcome. They're not joking. This administration, this is, I, I am telling you, the words that, that belong, should be uh, used to describe what Biden is talking about. This, these are steps toward totalitarian government. They're saying we're going to use our power to shut down communication among anyone, between and among groups, if they're saying things we don't like, we don't agree with. Now, to be clear, if groups are talking about actual violence, if they're talking about, you know, I don't know, doing things like Black Lives Matter did and burning down buildings and blowing up cars and all the stuff they did, yeah, actually, I'm in favor of that. And I'm in favor of going after actual domestic terrorism, whether it is committed by people on the right side of the aisle, the left side of the aisle, I don't care what your skin color is, we don't want actual physical domestic terrorism. The danger is, and it's so important to understand, the danger is the Biden administration, and it's not really Biden, but whoever's really running it, it is trying to say that people who advocate views that they don't like, people, for example, who question the outcome of the 2020 election, people who think there was actual election fraud, very soon it'll be people who question the whole white supremacist premise, people who challenge critical race theory. Once you have opened the door uh, as a left, as a totalitarian leftist and said, you know, we're going to use our national security powers to tell people, to, to watch people who say things we don't like, and they're not threatening anything, they're not, you know, they're not talking about, you know, violence, which is a whole different picture, but people who threaten, who question the election outcome, people who will not go along with our critical race theory ideas, people who won't go along with the anti-white supremacist agenda, people who won't go along with whatever the critical race theory people want, those people will be considered dangerous. This is what he is saying. This is why it is so alarming. They are saying, we're going to be okay. We're going to be okay with shutting down speech and treating people as potential domestic terrorists if they dare say things we don't like, we don't agree with. You think it's just critical race theory? The next thing is going to be with respect to climate change. You have all this crazy coming out of the left about the Green New Deal. And once they say, and they, as they have said, that, that climate change is a, a serious national security threat, they've called it that. So now you want to challenge climate change and question the climate change premise? You think it's very far before they're going to say, and that, that's a whole other area. We better look at these two people as domestic terrorists. They are threatening the climate change agenda. They won't go along with the Green New Deal. They're questioning whether the federal government can tell them where they can live. They're questioning whether we can control their lives. This, this is totalitarian stuff coming out of the Biden administration. And if there ever was a political entity on the planet Earth skilled at the idea of selling radical ideas with the most smooth talking, happy talk, agreeable sounding, reasonable cajoling tone, it is the American left. They're telling you, we're going to use your tax dollars and the national security agencies you fund by your tax dollars to shut down political speech we don't like, treat you as a potential domestic terrorist if you will not go along with the agenda. And I mentioned already, it could be the agenda on climate change. It could be the agenda on race theory, critical race theory, or the anti-racist agenda. It could be the agenda on COVID and on mandatory vaccines 
And that could be a public health threat, a very serious threat. And these people will not go along with a mandatory vaccine program. Once you concede, the government can shut down speech or regulate speech and limit your freedom to speak, limit your freedom to move freely, limit your speech, your freedom to put a website out, to have a talk show, you're going to end up where the government's going to, to be regulating everything that can be said. And you will have lost America. And the Biden team is way down this path already. It's a very, very dangerous thing they're doing. I do not say these statements lightly. I do not make these comments lightly. I am telling you from the bottom of my, my you know, heart, whoa, sorry, that was really loud, bottom of my heart, the left is going to do whatever they can to shut down the political conversation by people they don't agree with. And Biden is telling you, and he and his whole team are telling you, this is exactly what we're doing. And there's not going to be anything you can do about it. The time to fight and speak up is now. Telling your congressman, your senator, your mayor, your city council, your school board, wherever it is things are happening, the time to speak up is now. The time to wake up your friends is now. There are plenty of people in America who think, well, you know, Democrats won, next time Republicans win, back, forth, America will never change. That is in the millions of people in this country who think America will never change. And they don't have a clue what the left is doing. They do not understand what the anti-American left is doing right now. They do not understand. They will wake up one day, as Reagan used to say, and say, hey, what happened to America? And you'll have to tell them what America was like when it used to be free. That, so waking people up now, in fact, this is one reason I did this conference, Critical Race Theory. I want to plant the seed with all of you. We're doing another conference, a bigger conference this fall, Saturday, September 18th. Saturday, September 18th in Dallas. Already have three stellar speakers committed. I'm just going to leave that tease there and not tell you yet who they are. But we have a great conference. We have more coming. We're going to have a really strong conference all about the idea of standing up for America the free while we still can. And this is why I do this show, why I do these conferences, why I ask for your support, why I ask you to go to our website, americancanwetalk.org, hit the subscribe button, get our once-weekly newsletter. That's free. Go to our website, Join America Can We Talk. It's almost free. You can join America Can We Talk. Uh, the members word across the top. Hit members. Hit join now. It's $5 a month, $50 a year, practically free to join this show. Join America Can We Talk. I do a Thursday show that's for members only. We have great speakers on every Thursday. The show goes out from the website. It's for our members only. I can't urge you strongly enough. If you like hearing truth and you're beginning to become concerned about the totalitarian left in this country, and you should be concerned, if you're not concerned, you're not paying attention, please consider joining this show. You can also make contributions far above that amount. You can make contributions to our show. And I can't tell you if you'd like to donate to our show. It, this, obviously, this is a, you know, they don't let me use this beautiful studio for free. It costs money to produce this show. It costs all my time, which I don't get paid for, but I do it out of love of America. But if you can support the show, consider joining and consider making a donation. All at americacanbetalk.org. Last topic for the day. I talk about this idea of celebrate America. I just want to say this. July 4th is my, well, it's my, it's tied for my favorite holiday with Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving, July 4th, love those. Of course, I love the Christian holidays too. I love Christmas and Easter. But in terms of secular holidays that everybody in America celebrates, 
I love Thanksgiving, which isn't really secular, it's thanking God for America, but July 4th, coming right up, Independence Day, is a great time to take the time to begin to look again at what makes you America unique, extraordinary, strong, and great. Study America. Read the Declaration of Independence. Commit to beginning to start to reading the Federalist Papers. Begin to understand how and why America is so extraordinary and unique. Celebrate America's unique goodness in your life on Independence Day. I hope you have a great barbecue and you have hamburgers and corn on the cob, whatever else you like to have on July 4th. I get to see fireworks. I love it all. It's my, as I say, I love this holiday. But spend time studying America. What the promise is of the Declaration of Independence. What the Constitution says about your rights. What it says about government, the limitations on government. Study that. Make it part of what you are celebrating on July 4th. And one little piece of Celebrating America, I'll tell you for today. I'm going to do many more segments on Celebrate America. But in this one, I just want to say, we still have freedom of speech. And we still have brave Americans who speak up and say things that are not very popular with the American left, the anti-American left. One such thing is this. So David Horowitz, uh, who is a, you know, just brilliant, brilliant uh, American um, writer and speaker. Um, he's actually is a former, I'm pretty sure, communist or at least radical leftist, you know, a 60s radical leftist who became an enormously uh, in inspired, brilliant conservative. And he has started a petition. And so this is about talking about taking action some way specifically. He, David Horowitz, has started a petition. It's up on our website. Again, if you go to americacanwetalk.org, on the homepage under shows, drop down a list of links, I link to his petition. His basic message is this. The chief of the naval operations in this country, the U.S. chief of naval operations named Admiral Michael Gilday, G-I-L-D-A-Y. This is a guy who, is, who teaches at the Naval War College and at the Naval War College is pushing critical race theory and actually urging people to read this anti-American, wokester, lunatic, leftist, Ibram X. Kendi, K-E-N-D-I. You've been hearing a lot about him probably. He's one of the gurus of the critical race theory garbage. And he, this guy Gilday, is actually teaching in the Naval Academy, excuse me, in the Naval, um, in the, uh, Naval War College where you should be learning things about defending America and the idea of America. He's pushing this guy, Kendi, whose primary premise is that America is a deeply racist country, deeply racist country, institutionally racist, systemically racist, needs to have a radical transformation. And Kendi is all about dividing us permanently by race. I mean, these are the most un-American, and they should be I mean, unconstitutional, un-American ideas. And this guy is teaching this at the Naval War College. So David Horowitz, Horowitz brilliantly wrote about what this guy is teaching and basically said he started a petition to say, this guy has to be fired. He has to be removed. You want to know someone has impact? Can you imagine if, if, they got, if he got a million signatures on this? And that's the message to our military. The American people want you to stop teaching this garbage at the at the uh, naval excuse me at the uh, naval war college so one other thing by the way as he was being in a congressional hearing 
In a congressional hearing, this guy, Chief of Naval Operations Michael Gilday, was asked by Representative Jim Banks to plead, would he denounce Kendi's view that white people are criminals? This is, Kendi actually thinks this lunacy. White people are criminals and they created the AIDS virus to kill black people. Okay, that did not happen. And this guy, an admiral, a teacher in the Naval War College, refused to denounce it. He's urging our precious military members to read this garbage and to believe it and to act on it. So if you want to do something besides just listening to my show and hopefully sharing it daily with your 25 best friends, however you're listening to this show, share this show, tell your friends about it, share the link, whether you're on YouTube or Facebook or, or most preferably you're watching on my website, americacanwetalk.org. Watch it there, share it with your friends, because the only way we're gonna root out the kind of evil we are looking at in this country, and you gotta call it evil, the only way we're gonna root out that evil is if enough Americans are wide awake and they stand up and they demand that America be restored to what it's supposed to be, that the people in positions of power in the schools and the military and every other component of America reject the anti-Americanism that is now dominating the American left. I have more I could say, but I believe I'm out of time for today. So as I do at the close of every show, I tell you why the stories we talked about today matter to you. So we start our show today talking about racial hypocrite Senator Whitehouse unmasked. I love that, that he was unmasked. Democrat U.S. Senator Sheldon Whitehouse, noted for political grandstanding about racism, big time, turns out to be a longtime member of Whites Only Beach Club in Rhode Island, claims it's uh, it's a long tradition in Rhode Island. Oh, I see. So that makes it okay. Whitehouse's wife is a major shareholder in said racist beach club. Donald Trump took over Mar-a-Lago in Palm Beach, Florida, and soon took action, opened the club to blacks and Jews. So, you know, Donald Trump, the uh, I'm sure White House has doesn't like Trump. Trump did the right thing, White House does the wrong thing, but somehow the media cannot figure this out. Legacy US media believes no one notices the blatant, disgusting hypocrisy of Sheldon White House. No one notices how often the ugliest racism is found on the anti-American left. And no one notices the racist epithet against Trump was never, never justified. But Americans have noticed and they are increasingly fed up. The left is not winning hearts and minds in America. And on CRT and race in America, viral videos, on the next slide, viral videos rejecting CRT. We in there? Uh, there we go. Uh, re- viral videos rejecting CRT are proliferating. Men and women and children are speaking up. White, black, brown, Asian, and especially immigrants. Oh, the immigrants have been beautiful on this critical race theory stuff, just calling it out for what it is, evil and, li- and lies. Black speakers at our conference, American We Talk conference, stole the show with denouncement of claims of systemic racism in America. Yet institutional America keeps pounding away. Washington Post formally encourages white people to admit their racism and embrace shame. American Medical Association devotes an entire conference to combating alleged non-existent systemic racism. Americans must relearn what is right about American ideals. All men and women are created equal. Content of character matters. Love thy neighbor and the golden rule. These are the American standards. And on Biden's dangerous ministry of truth unleashed, Biden launching national strategy to counter domestic terrorism, monitoring the web for disinformation, 
as they get to define disinformation and wrong information and wrong think, to use the word from uh, George Orwell, encouraging Americans to snitch on family members and neighbors. Domestic terrorism is headed toward a definition of whoever dares oppose leftism. This is a monstrous totalitarian denial of free speech and it is headed toward complete evisceration of the ideal of the colorblind administration of justice and the rule of law. Americans must wake up to resist the war being waged against them and their freedoms. The left believes that this is their moment. Their aggressiveness is rising. American patriots must rise up. And finally, in Celebrate America, the 4th of July, rightly understood, is worth celebrating by all mankind. 1776 was the true Great Reset, a real revolution in governance and human freedom. In 2021, freedom of speech and freedom of assembly are under massive attack, but they're not dead yet. David Horowitz's petition for removal of leftist chief of naval operations, still possible in America, that's use of the freedoms we have is sending a message of resistance to leftist tyranny. Truth still exists and it still matters. Celebrate America on the 4th of July. Celebrate America's exceptional foundation that blesses all. And that, my very fine friends, is America Can We Talk for today. Thank you so very much for tuning in every Monday through Thursday at 3 p.m. Central Time to America Can We Talk, where I always talk truth about America because America matters. And I'll talk to you next time. Can we talk truth about America?